you weren't expecting to hear me so soon, were you? Neither was I, so, but never mind. It's good to do things differently because often we come to church and we just expect everything to happen as per normal and it's nice to be kind of challenged and made to think differently. So Happy New Year to all of you. Trust you've had a great Christmas time and uh, enjoyed feasting, family, fun, and lots of other good things over this season. I want to share with you something this morning that I'm simply calling 2020, Here We Come, because most of you, well, all of you, I think I haven't seen since last year, uh, apart from Terry yesterday in McDonald's. Quite a strange sight. Janice and I were there with our little granddaughter, and all of a sudden, this man comes walking towards me. I thought, I know that guy, but he's out of context. Not used to seeing Terry in McDonald's. But it was good to see him. He was on a very good mission because he was off to support an excellent football team, Southampton, who won again yesterday. So uh, there are good things. But 2020, here we come. We're in a new year, a new decade. And uh, whether you like it or not, it's here. And whatever sorrows or disappointments you may have experienced in 2019, they're behind us. And there's nothing we can do about it because it is there in the past. So every new year is an opportunity to look forward to something fresh, to step into the future that God has got for each and every one of us. Your history does not have to determine your destiny. I've often said this before. And a friend of mine, Chris Akabusi, who was in our church in Southampton for 12 years, he said, the past is for reference, not for residence. Like that. So often easy to live in our past. It's so often easy to get stuck in disappointments and hurts and things that have happened to us in the past, so much so that we cannot believe for a better future and look forward to a new day. But the Bible tells us that God has dealt with all of our past thoughts and failings, mistakes and errors, and in Christ we are a new creation and we can believe for a better future because Jesus is in charge of our destiny. Any of you remember George W. Bush? one of the presidents of the United States. And um, he was traveling through an airport in America, and when he looked as he was walking through the airport, and he saw this guy who looked just like Moses. Couldn't believe it. He sort of did a double take, had long hair, had a shepherd's staff, big long cloak, and most of all, he was carrying two stone tablets. So George Bush went up to him and said, hey man, excuse me, but you're Moses, aren't you? And the guy didn't answer him. Now, you don't ignore a president, that's, that's a bit rude. So he, he just kept staring at him, this guy who was this Moses figure. So George Bush again said, excuse me, but you look just like Moses. Are you Moses? And the man still didn't respond at all. So a moment later, one of his security guards, you know, had a whisper in the president's ear, and the president said, well, I've spoke to this guy twice, and he totally blanks me, completely ignores me, and I'm not used to that, being the man that I am. Would you speak to him? So the security guy goes up to this man and says, excuse me, the president has just spoken to you, and uh, he wants to know, are you Moses? 
So the Moses guy finally speaks and he says, the last time I spoke to a bush, I spent 40 years in the wilderness. It's a good one, isn't it? The point is that sometimes our past, our history, can mess up our present and our future. Can make us behave in certain ways. We're all broken people in various dimensions. We've all been impacted by things that have happened to us. And those things can have a negative influence upon our future if we allow it. So I want you to look with me this morning at Hebrews chapter 11, a very famous verse in the Bible, because I believe that God has got something to say to us about the kind of attitude, the posture, the behavior that we need to have and carry as we step into a new year and a new decade, the 2020s, as they will be known. Hebrews 11... Put the first few verses there on the screen for you. I'll read a few more than those first three. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Through their faith, the people in the days of old earned a good reputation. By faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man. And God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. It's by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed God when he called him to leave his home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land, God promised him he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confident looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed by God. It was by faith that Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. A nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there was no way to count them. All these people died still believing what God had promised to them. I want us just to look at this first verse together this morning. Faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. This is a famous chapter in the Bible, Hebrews 11. It's about men and women who were incredible heroes of faith and belief and trust 
in God. They dared to trust God in times of imprisonment, in times of homelessness, slavery, captivity, even to the point of death, in torture, in flogging, martyrdom. These heroes did not abandon their faith. They did not quit. They did not say, God, if this is what happens to me when I believe in you, then I'm done with it. They did not say that at all. They dared to continue to trust and to believe God, whatever the circumstances were in their lives. And this verse epitomizes the courage and strength that they had in the face of every trial. So what kind of a people should we be as we step into 2020? You and I don't have crystal balls. We do not know what is going to happen this year, but we know who holds this year in his hands. So what kind of attitude do we need to have as we go through this year that we've just begun? Well, the first thing that I believe is important is that we need to be courageous in our conviction. Because the Bible says, faith is being sure. It's being sure. You exercise this kind of faith when you take the bus, believing that the digital display on the front of it is going to take you to where you want to go. You never get on the bus and you say to the driver, are you sure that what it says on the front is where we're going? The driver would be quite insulted, wouldn't he? You use this same sure faith when you set a destination in your sat-nav in your car and you believe that it will take you there. Sure faith is something that you and I are very familiar with and we exercise it all the time in many, many different ways. Another word for this kind of sure faith is belief or conviction. And the Bible makes it incredibly clear that this faith is essential to you and I having a relationship with God. Here's some verses of Scripture. Hebrews 11, without faith it is impossible to please God. We just read that. Got to believe that God exists. The Bible also says that we have been justified through faith and have peace with God. The Bible also says, it's by grace you are saved through faith. There are loads of other scriptures in the Bible that emphasize that our relationship with God is based upon a sure faith. That he exists, that he's real, that he loves us, that he has committed himself to us, and that he will never change. Now, one of the big problems that you and I face today is that we live in a very pick a mix kind of society. This is the approach that many people have to life on a daily basis. Because we live in a scientific age that basically tells you that you can only believe what is knowable. You can only believe what is provable. This is the kind of scientific application that is so often around. And so the values that we live by should only be based on what is provable. So that throws out of the window, window biblical faith. It throws out of the window trust in a God who in the beginning made the heavens and the earth and it came out of nothing. You see, science will so often try and disprove that faith is fundamental to life and to a relationship with God. Pure scientific empiricism says that we 
what, what can't be proved can't be believed. That's the position it comes from. But the Bible comes from this position, what can't be believed can't be proved. When you take God out of your frame of reference, then it's really like um, trying to read a map without knowing where north is or trying to use a compass out of which the magnet has been taken away. It's impossible, it won't work. So faith is fundamental to knowing God. It is fundamental to our future. And as Christians, we need to be living examples to the world of how faith in God works and changes your life. That's why we've got to be courageous in our conviction. Because we are a people of certainty. Because the Bible gives us truth after truth after truth that we can trust this God and be sure of faith that we place in him. We need to be heroes of faith to our world and to our friends around us. How do we do this? Well, we have to increase our faith. Romans 10 verse 17 says that um, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe, no, it doesn't say that. Uh, it says faith comes by hearing the word of God. We live in a faithless culture because people are no longer brought up on the word of God. The Bible is not taught as it was, you know, 60, 70 or so years ago. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Look at 2 Timothy 3, 6. I love this passage of scripture because it just gives us a clear insight as to what the scriptures are all about. And this is why we need to read the scriptures on a daily basis. 2 Timothy 3, 6. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. When a nation disregards the word of God, it will go astray. Because the word of God is there to teach us and to guide us. So my faith increases as I feed upon the word of God. That's why, as I say, it's important that we have a daily intake of God's word because it increases our faith. We need to be courageous in our conviction and we do this by increasing our faith but also we do it by having the courage to show our faith. I love this verse in Acts 3.16. This is a wonderful miracle that has taken place where Peter and John are going to the temple and everybody are, is absolutely amazed at what happens. And Peter simply says this in Acts 3.16, Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. You know how before he was a cripple, faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. We need to have courage to show our faith. How often do you meet someone who's got a need and then say to them, would you like me to pray for you? Or do you say, well, I'll remember you in my prayers. Sometimes we need to seize the moment. Sometimes we need to take the opportunity to demonstrate faith, what we believe in an appropriate way, where we see a need that is presented before us. And then also we need to be engaging others with our faith. 
1 Peter 3 verse 15 says that we need to always be ready to give reason for why we believe when someone asks us and to do it with grace and gentleness. Ephesians 5 verse 15 and 16 says we need to make the most of every opportunity. Opportunity is something that if you don't grab it when it's coming, you'll not get it when it's gone. And we need to make the most of the opportunities. We have opportunities to be courageous in our faith. So let's take them. Let's be a people who demonstrate how sure we are of our faith in God by taking the opportunities that we receive week in, week out. Second thing that's important here is that we need to be powerful in our confession. Faith is being sure of what we hope for. You see, the biblical understanding of hope is very different to the general way in which we use the word hope. You might say, I hope it's not raining tomorrow because I'm going to go and play a game of golf or whatever. Or you might say, I hope the bus isn't late this morning when you're waiting at the bus stop to get to work or wherever you're going. But the biblical use of the word hope is very different to how you and I would use it on a daily basis. Because you and I use the word hope which invariably is connected with circumstances. So I hope it's not raining. hope the bus isn't late. That's circumstantial. The biblical use of hope is a declaration that I am confident that God will do what I'm believing he will do. It is a confident expectation in God. The Christian hope is, is not a, a dream, but it's a confident expectation in God's faithfulness and power. Romans 15 verse 13, Paul says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. So did you get what you were hoping for at Christmas? We used to write Christmas lists. Did you do that as a child? Send it to Santa. I don't know how many children ticked off their list on Christmas morning, but we used to write these lists in hope. What are you personally hoping for in 2020? Are you hoping for promotion in your job? Hoping for a pay rise? Hoping for this? Hoping for that? We could have lots of hopes. What's your hope for this church? Will we be the same number this time next year? Will we be singing the same songs this time next year? Will you be looking at the same back of the person's head this time next year? What's your hope for this church? See, a lot of churches are pretty hopeless because they just show up every Sunday and do the same stuff and that's it. Too many churches keep repeating the same things over and over, expecting a different result. That was Einstein's theory of insanity. What are you hoping for? What does God want you to hope for in this year by putting your faith and trust in him? We receive from God by confession. Okay, a few scriptures I'll just pop up here. And I'll put them up. Okay, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart and you will be saved. 
Confess your sins one to another. Pray for one another and you will be healed. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. If I had not confessed the sin of my heart, the Lord would not have listened to me. Everything we receive from God comes by confession because a confession is about the demonstration of faith. Confession is rooted in belief. So what are you confidently believing for? What are you hoping for in 2020 for this church? What is your confession for level 10? Now, the advertising industry very powerfully uses confession to bring conviction and results. I'm going to give you a little test this morning. Okay, we'll see how switched on you are. All right, I'm going to show you some advertising things. Because in advertising, they understand the power of three words. That's all, three words. Here we go. Who says believe in better? You've all seen it? Sky. Who's got Sky TV? All right, one or two. Okay. Who says finger licking good? Oh, you know that one. KFC. Okay. Who says just do it? I love that one. Just do it, Nike. The prophet Nike. Who says every little helps? Tesco. Good man at the back there. Okay. Who says we try harder? Avis, Kai. Who says, I'm loving it? Terry, yesterday. <laughs> Who says, Power to you? Who? Vodafone. Good try. Who says, Beans, Means, Hines? You know that. Who says, get Brexit done? See, we hear it all the time. It's powerful. And the advertising industry know how to convince us to believe in something in three words. I'd like to give you a, cha a challenge. What three words would be your confession for this church in 2020? It's your homework for this week. Just three words. What are you going to believe for in 2020 for this church? Three words. You see, it's incredibly powerful. And when we simply confess something, Boris Johnson, you know, when he went in for this election, he had this mantra, we're going to get Brexit done. We're going to get Brexit done. What are we going to do, Terry? Get Brexit done. See? We all knew it. And... Finger licking good and, and all this stuff, it subliminally, subconsciously gets into our thinking and we believe it. So I want to ask you there's something powerful about our confession. It is about what we hope for. What are you hoping for? in 2020 what is going to be your confession could you reduce it just to three words you see jesus said 
with God, all things are possible. It's more than three words. Paul said, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Daniel's three mates who were thrown into the fiery furnace said, the God we believe in is big enough to save us. They're powerful statements that are declarations of what faith can do. So what is going to be your confession in 2020? You see, we could be sitting here on January, maybe the 7th or whatever it might be, 2021, and nothing might have changed at all from today to next year. It's all down to us. It's what we're prepared to confess. It's what we're prepared to believe in. It's what we're prepared to go after by faith in our God who answers prayer. So the final thing this morning I just want to bring to you is simply this. Know the potential of our vision. Faith is being sure of what we hope for. It is the evidence of what we do not see. Helen Keller was an American author, political activist. She was born blind and she was once asked on one occasion by an interviewer, what would be worse than being born blind? And she said, to have sight without vision. Very wise answer. Too many Christians carry leadership positions without having any vision for the future. They're just constantly doing the same thing all the time and as long as I keep doing the same thing then that's happy. But the Bible says without vision we perish. Without vision we're aimless. Without vision there is no point. Without vision there is no destiny or destination. And opticians had a sign outside which simply said if you don't see what you want you've come to the right place. It's true. So when visitors come to this church, do they see what they want? Or do they go away confused, disappointed, think, well, that's not what I want? You see, we are not here for ourselves. We are here to reach those who don't know Jesus. That's the mission of the church. That's why God has brought us to know himself, so that we will be carriers of the gospel, carriers of the good news. And so we have to have a vision that goes beyond these walls. We've got to have a vision that goes beyond my little life and your little life. We've got to capture something of the vision and purpose that God has got for each and every one of us. Too often we don't see because we're not looking in the way that God wants us to look. Have you ever had that experience where, you know, you get a new car... And then you suddenly notice all the other people who've got the same car as you and the same colour. I've often had that. You know, you change your car and, oh, look, there's another Mini just like mine. Or, oh, yeah, that person's got the same Rolls Royce that I've got or whatever it might be. You notice. Now, they've always been there. It's not as if everybody's gone out on the same day as you and, and they've gone and bought a Mazda. They've always been there, but suddenly your vision is refocused to notice 
other people with the same car that you happen to have. We need to let God refocus our vision so we start to see what he wants us to see rather than what we think we should see. We need to know the potential of vision. The heroes that are mentioned here in Hebrews 11, these heroes of faith had their vision so adjusted that they were not fixed on their own personal circumstances and lies, but they saw something greater in God to reach for. Here's three of them. Abraham never stopped believing that his descendants would be countless. Even when his wife was barren and every month they were disappointed, he never stopped believing. He had a vision. God says if you can count the stars, if you can count the grains of sand, that's how many your descendants are going to be. And he never stopped believing it. Moses never stopped believing that he would lead Israel out of their slavery. Time and time and time again, he went to Pharaoh and said, let the people go. God wants them to go and worship him. And they went through all those plagues. You know, Moses didn't give up and think, oh, this isn't working. You know, I'm going to go and get a different job. He didn't stop believing in the fact that God had said to him, you will lead my people into the promise that I've given them. And ultimately, that fulfillment came through Joshua, who never stopped believing that he would possess the promised land because God said, Joshua, everywhere you put your feet, I will give that land to you. And he pursued and he possessed the land that God had promised his people Israel. What is your evidence for the things that as yet you do not see? You see, these people in Hebrews 11, they kept believing even though they didn't see it. They had vision to believe that it would eventually come to pass. Without vision, we perish, we go nowhere, we achieve nothing. But with faith and vision, then everything is possible. I'll read you something just from a book by John Maxwell. He says this. Julius Caesar was an epileptic. Napoleon was of humble parentage and far from being a genius. He came 46th in his class at the military academy. Beethoven was deaf, so was Thomas Edison. Charles Dickens was lame, so was Handel. Homer was blind. Plato was a hunchback. Sir Walter Scott was paralyzed. What gave these great individuals the stamina to overcome severe setbacks and become successful? Each person had an inner dream and vision that lit a fire within them that would never be extinguished. If you go to the end of Hebrews 11, it says in verse 38, these people were too good for this world. Wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God has something better in mind for us 
so that they would not reach perfection without us. Therefore, because of all these amazing heroes in chapter 11, therefore, we, you and me, are surrounded by a large crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Let us strip off everything, every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Will you stand with me, please? 2020, here we come. Let's be courageous in our conviction, powerful in our confession, and know the potential of having vision. Lord, we thank you that you have been faithful to us in 2019. Thank you that all the different things that we encountered in the year, the highs and the lows, the hurts and the happy times. Thank you, God, that you've been there, but that's all behind us. And we now step into a new year and we want to be men and women of courageous faith. We want to be men and women who know the power of our confession. We want to be men and women who have a clear vision that has been given by you and sown in our hearts to see more of your kingdom come and more of your will be done. Lord, by your Spirit, inspire us and empower us to run the race so that by your grace this time next year we'll have so much to give you thanks for. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.